Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is the Tom Hartman Program. You know, Lewis Powell back in 1971 in his infamous memo said that Ralph Nader, the guy who wrote the foreword to my next book, The the Hidden History of Monopolies and the Destruction of the American Dream, Ralph Nader and Rachel Carson, who wrote Silent Spring, exposing how pesticides were, specifically DDT, was killing birds. Lewis Powell in 71 said that Ralph Nader and Rachel Carson were the villains. They were the ones, he said, that were going to destroy America. He said that the growing calls for regulation on, in this case, car safety and pesticide safety to protect American citizens from death and poisoning, he said that these were, and I quote from the Powell memo, quote, an attack on the American free enterprise system, end quote. What I think is the biggest story of the, maybe of the month, maybe of the year, and it's being largely ignored by the corporate media, Donald Trump signed an executive order telling all the regulatory agencies, the FCC, the EPA, the Interior Department, the Food and Drug Administration, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, I mean, you name it. Every agent, nuclear regulatory agency, every agency that they could, quote, use any and all authority to waive, suspend, and eliminate unnecessary regulations that impede economic recovery, end quote. It was a big wet kiss to his funders in the fossil fuel industry, the chemical industry, and other industries. And he went on to say in a tweet, a little later on in the day, and he said it at, the, at a press conference, he wants to make these changes permanent. Now, Steve Bannon famously said that Donald Trump, the main goal of the Trump presidency would be to, quote, deconstruct the administrative state. The administrative state is also known as the federal government, also known as the government of the United States of America. That thing that George Washington had three horses shot out from under him trying to help create that thing that hundreds of thousands of Americans have fought and died for in wars from the Revolutionary War till today. The federal government, no more consumer protections, no more regulation of banksters, no more keeping communities air and water free from poisons, no more safety rules for toys, no more oversight of slaughterhouses in our food supply. I mean, it's just amazing that this is not the biggest story today. It just, it, it blows my mind. We are watching Donald Trump deconstruct, to use Steve Bannon's term, deconstruct to take apart our federal government. He's ripping our country into pieces, while at the same time he's pitting Americans against each other to the point that we now have, you know, like the cover story in the Atlantic a couple of months ago was the next American Civil War. I mean, this is where we're at. Serious people having serious discussions about civil war and you got a bunch of Nazis out there and former Klan members are talking about Boogaloo, about, you know, a race war that these white supremacists want to have. I got to tell you, the foreign autocrats who have given hundreds of millions of dollars to Donald Trump and Jared Kushner, 
these guys from Russia to the Middle East and to, to including Turkey, these these foreign autocrats who have funded the Trump crime family and who fundamentally hate the idea of a pluralistic, small D democratic American, you know, a functioning democracy because they don't have and they don't want functioning democracies. They fear functioning democracies. These guys must be delighted. Trump has destroyed this country more effectively than any of them could have ever dreamed of doing. I mean, even even with a war, you name it, Donald Trump is destroying this country from within, which frankly, in my opinion, is why he was put in the White House in the first place. Between the the right-wing libertarian billionaires like Koch and their buddies, who literally don't believe that there's any role for the government outside of the running the military, from them to foreign leaders like, you know, the president of Turkey, who got all upset when Barack Obama got upset because his goons beat up some demonstrators in Washington, D.C. Remember when that happened? And Erdogan was standing there watching. Oh, isn't this cool? They're beating up people. You know, from Erdogan to Putin to, to uh, Bolsonaro, I mean, take your pick. Right of strongman governments around the world, they just have to be delighted. On the line with us is the Harvard-educated attorney, professor at the University of New Hampshire, author of 11 books, including Proof of Conspiracy, Proof of Collusion, and his forthcoming book, which I believe you can pre-order wherever you find fine books, Proof of Corruption, Bribery, Impeachment, and Pandemic in the Age of Trump, Seth Abramson, Seth Abramson, A-B-S-E-T-H-A-B-R-A-M-S-O-N.net is his website, and you can tweet him at Seth Abramson. He's got a spectacularly active Twitter feed of really somebody worth following. Seth, welcome back to the program. It's been a while since we talked. You tweeted a couple days ago that when Trump started pushing hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine, there was actually a reason beyond just his desire to distract us from his involvement in the Mike Pompeo inspector general scandal. Just to give your listeners sort of the brief timeline, President Trump begins pushing hydroxychloroquine in March of 2020 alongside the antibiotic azithromycin, and prescriptions for the drug jumped 46 times immediately after that, according to the New York Times. We had our first... 4,600%. That's correct. And we had our first person dying from taking chloroquine shortly after the president pushed that drug. A man in Arizona took chloroquine phosphate. He died. His wife was hospitalized. His wife said that they were guided by Trump. So right away, the problems with someone who's not a medical doctor giving that sort of advice were evident in the data and in the actual results in terms of mortality. But what you're referring to comes in early April when we learned that Bernard Marcus, a Trump mega donor who's co-founder of the Job Creators Network, he calls on Trump publicly to, quote unquote, cut the red tape on hydroxychloroquine. We don't know if he had spoken previously to Trump about it or not in March or in April or thereafter. But we do know that Bernard Marcus had already announced by that point that he would spend a big part of his fortune. He is mega rich to reelect Donald Trump. We also I just want to note, because I didn't say this in my tweet online, that we learned the next day from MarketWatch that Donald Trump has a, quote unquote, more than modest sum invested in the French drug maker that makes the brand name version of hydroxychloroquine. It was after that point that we had all these studies showing it was dangerous, caused heart problems, caused death, had no therapeutic value for people with COVID-19. And it was after that point that Rick Bright was removed from his post for opposing the expansion of the hydroxychloroquine push in the Trump administration. And somehow after all this happens, in early May, Donald Trump starts taking the drug and decides to tell the country that he's taking it just recently, knowing all the dangers, knowing all the conflicts of interest, knowing that death has already been caused by this, knowing that there could be a drug shortage because of his public statement. It's an astoundingly irresponsible action by the president of the United States. This whole question of America surviving the destruction of our government, Donald Trump took a rather major step yesterday with an executive order basically telling every regulatory agency in Washington, D.C., 
that they can just basically stop enforcing the rules if they think that that will produce an economic benefit, aka profits for corporations. I read a few weeks ago that there was evidence that three different Trump family foundations, you know, the, the Trump company is an accumulation of hundreds of smaller companies and they kind of play this shell game, moving money around to minimize taxes and things. And apparently screw investors, if you look at how he ran his, his casinos, that three different Trump family foundations were invested in, I believe it was Sanofil, the French company that makes Plaquenil, if I have that right, the brand name yes. version of hydrochloroquine. Has that been verified? It is verified, yes, that he has more than a modest sum invested in a fund that he may not directly control, but he's aware that his economic fortunes are tied to some degree with that French drug maker that makes Plaquenil. That's correct. Now, there's also a story about Laura Ingram going to the White House, bringing some doctor, some MD with her, who is a big fan of chloroquine, and doing a PowerPoint presentation, a private PowerPoint presentation for Trump and maybe a few other people, I, I don't know who is in the room, pitching the idea that not only is this a treatment for COVID-19, but it can actually prevent you from getting COVID-19. That seems like, I mean, he's a very gullible guy, right? He sees something on Fox News, regardless of the source, he immediately starts tweeting and talking about it. And very often there are things that are, frankly, humiliating to him. They're so wrong or so stupid. What's the old saying? You know, uh, the easiest person to sell something to is a salesman. I mean, is it possible that this is just a case of, you know, Laura and her friends over at Fox thought they had something? Maybe, you know, without a financial motive, you know, everybody at that point was looking for a magic bullet so that we could all get back to work. And if we get sick, we could just pop a pill that this was just, you know, wishful thinking on steroids rather than some sort of an elaborate grift in order to increase the wealth of one of Donald Trump's investment funds. Well, I certainly don't want to put aside the possibility that there were people who were within Donald Trump's inner circle who, for the best of intentions, believed that, though granted without any medical evidence whatsoever, believed that this could have a therapeutic effect or something even beyond that. Certainly there's a history with this president of making phone calls to people who don't have expertise in what he asks them to advise him on, making presentations to him despite not having expertise, and doing all of that in the face of ignoring those who do have the expertise. But I think, Tom, the reason I have this concern about this Trump mega donor is if you know that someone who is a mega donor to your campaign, who has said he will spend part of his fortune to reelect you, can make millions, uh. possibly hundreds of millions of dollars, then where do you think that money is going to end up? It'll end up in your campaign through donations from that person. And that's the concern that you have, is that on the other hand, he might expect to see that money effectively laundered through sort of regular course of business, super PAC donations from that individual or his operation, the Job Creators Network. Amazing. So this gets down to basically an election grift more than a financial grift astonishing. We're talking with Seth Abramson, the uh, professor at the University of New Hampshire, author of 11 books, his most recent or his newest one is coming out soon, Proof of Corruption. Confirm for me that I can pre-order this, uh, you know, at, at Powell's Books or Amazon or wherever I might want to. It's out in September. And can you let us know just a couple of examples of proof of corruption on the part of Trump? So you can pre-order the book, you're correct, anywhere that you can order books. And what the book essentially is, it's a massive 525-page book that lays out seven separate Trump bribery scandals. And that includes China, Turkey, Venezuela, his actions in Ukraine, of course, but also these bribery scandals, two of them connected to COVID-19, the one that we've been talking about and also the fact that he received intelligence about COVID-19 in November 2019, we know this from ABC News and the Times of Israel, he did not take action. He would not hear any bad word said about uh, Xi Jinping. And this was at a time that Xi Jinping, we know from the Financial Times, had given dirt on Joe Biden to Michael Pillsbury, Trump's trade representative in China. So you have a transaction between Trump and the Chinese government at a time that he refuses to hear intelligence about China not being transparent in November 2019 and December 2019 about COVID-19. So that's one example. But what I lay out in my tweets is 
frankly, the most upsetting of these is Donald Trump's business interests in Turkey and how they affected his willingness to allow Turkey to invade Syria and commit genocide against our allies, the Kurds. It was clearly motivated, and I lay this out in the book, by his business interests. That's mind-boggling. And let's not forget, Michael Flynn had taken a half million bucks from Turkey. He was an agent for Turkey when he was Trump's national security advisor. Seth Abramson, A-B-R-A-M-S-O-N.net is the website. And, of course, his new book, Proof of Corruption, available wherever fine books are available. Seth, thanks so much for dropping by today. Great talking with you. Thanks, Tom. This is the Tom Hartman Program. When Congress put together... The uh, $2 trillion CARES 2 Act, they added a Congressional Oversight Board. That board just released its first report, and it is shocking. Former foreclosure king and current Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin is in charge of what is essentially a $500 billion slush fund. Our question, how can we force Congress to give money to average Americans instead of high-level grifters? I mean, to prevent him from using it to help to help out his and Trump's rich buddies, Congress mandated that only companies that could demonstrate that they've been hired by the economic fallout of the coronavirus could qualify for the money, that it would have to be used to retain employees, and the money will be passed out in relatively small amounts. Now it turns out Mnuchin has rewritten the regulations so that an individual company can get up to $200 million because so many businesses, so many small businesses need a new private jet, right? only has to make commercially reasonable efforts to hang on to their employees during the term of the loan so they can put financial considerations ahead of the health of their workers, and no longer has to prove that they're financially in trouble because of the coronavirus. Additionally, most of the money has not been distributed, although it appears that a major Trump donor who runs a private jet company that shuttles rich people and executives to private golf courses is the largest recipient of the payments to date giving professional grifters, and this is what we've done. We've handed professional grifters, Donald Trump and Steve Mnuchin, hundreds of billions of dollars to give away or spend at their own discretion. It's like dropping a a couple of alley cats into a cage full of canaries. I mean, once again, the grifters get rich and the average American gets screwed. This was the topic of a hearing before the United States Senate today that was held largely virtually. It was held over Zoom. Mike Crapo, the chairman of the committee, was inviting members to speak. It was fascinating. CNN went to it live, which was pretty impressive. Sherrod Brown asked both Mnuchin and Fed Chairman Jerome Powell, former bankster Jerome Powell, former foreclosure king Steve Mnuchin, both of them former banksters. He asked him, how many families... Or how many people are you willing to let die? I'm paraphrasing here. How many people are you willing to let die in order to gain a half a point of GDP or a thousand points going up on the Dow? And Mnuchin went, and and, and Powell, you know, I mean, both of them basically punted on the question. And uh, so Brown just tweeted out, families don't want to hear about liquidity and financial doublespeak. Liquidity was... You know, essentially, the, well, Senator Brown said the first word out of, uh, out of Secretary Mnuchin's mouth at today's banking hearing, not workers, not families, liquidity. He says families don't want to hear about liquidity and financial doublespeak. They want to hear how this administration will keep them safe when they go to work. Well, there's no talk about keeping people safe when they go to work. In fact, the message that we're getting from Trump is all you have to do is take a little chloroquine and you'll be fine. You can go right back to work and that and zinc will keep the bugs away. Some of the side effects of chloroquine, by the way, include a spinning sensation, ringing in your ears, mood changes, irritability, blurred vision, confusion, unusual thoughts or psychosis, Pale skin, maybe this is why he's having to put so much makeup on. That's why he can't wear a mask, right? If he puts a mask on, it'll it'll smear his makeup all over his face. Whoever thought that these guys that think that they're so macho would be loving a bald-headed guy with a giant comb-over with makeup all over his face, who's, as Nancy Pelosi points out, morbidly obese, and characterizing him as some sort of, you know, macho role model, putting his head on superheroes and things like that. It's, It's just totally... Totally weird. But this is what Mnuchin has done. I mean, with this $500 billion. Speaking of grifters, Donald, Ivanka, Don Jr., and Eric are all being sued 
by a whole bunch of families that bought into this pyramid scheme that they were promoting. In fact, uh, the Law and Crime, the legal magazine, refers to it as an ugly pyramid scheme. He says it's plaintiffs say it is a, quote, get-rich-quick scheme that relied on Trump and his family, quote, conning each of these victims into giving up hundreds or thousands of dollars, end quote, in violation of various state laws. Uh, it was plugged on Celebrity Apprentice. Uh, it was The case was originally filed as an anti-racketeering enterprise action. Uh, they've now just kind of downgraded it to good old-fashioned fraud, running basically a pyramid scheme. And uh, the, they allege, this is in 2018 in the New York Times, actually, that when, it, when this first came out, the original complaint, quote, Quote, the complaint alleges that Mr. Trump and his family received secret payments from three business entities in exchange for promoting them as legitimate opportunities, when in reality they were get-rich-quick schemes that harmed investors, many of whom were unsophisticated and struggling financially. Trump was paid millions of dollars, according to this thing. Meanwhile, the grift continues down in Florida. In Florida, in Tallahassee, the architect and manager of Florida's COVID-19 dashboard. This is the website that tells you, you know, how many deaths you have, how many people are hospitalized, how many positive diagnoses you have, things like that. Her name is Rebecca Jones. And she said in an email to CBS 12, a local uh, television station in Tallahassee to their news division, she said that her removal quote was not voluntary and that she was removed from her position because she was ordered to censor some data but refused to, quote, manually change data to drum up support for the plan to reopen Florida, end quote. She uh, made this announcement in a farewell email to other researchers who were working on the project and uh, said that her office is actually no longer managing this, basically Ron DeSantis. You know, a grifter after Donald Trump's heart has decided to take it over. How do we force Congress? How do we, how do we change America so that being a grifter isn't the principal qualification for being in the White House. That, that we're no longer rewarding these Republican grifters, whether they be in the White House or whether they be in the Senate or the House of Representatives, whether they be, they be Republican governors, state members of, the, you know, members of the state House, the state Senate. I mean, here's another one. Donald Trump declared the state of emergency and pushed out of, I believe it was 40,000 yeah, 40, National Guard members who went into 44 states, District of Columbia, and three U.S. territories, presumably at least Puerto Rico and Guam. I'm not sure what the third one would be. And these 40,000 people have been working, quote, full-time since early March on a wide range of sensitive and dangerous tasks, such as decontaminating nursing homes, setting up field hospitals, and performing tests for the virus. Well, guess what? If these guys work for 90 days, that adds to their potential to retire early from the military and get uh, educational benefits. They get to paid, you know, to go to college paid for by the government under the uh, the post 9/11 GI Bill. This new GI Bill, it takes 90 days of active duty in a dangerous environment. Well, Trump is pulling the plug on them after 89 days. And when the administration pushed this out, uh, they included a little note here. This is uh, from one of the officials. Uh, this is bizarre. Uh, the order will require delicate, a delicate messaging strategy in order to quell complaints. Quote, we would greatly benefit from unified messaging regarding the conclusion of their services prior to hitting the 90-day mark and the retirement benefit implications associated with it. In other words, Trump wants to screw the soldiers after he screwed the investors. He did this with his casinos, too, you recall. He raised a billion dollars by selling loans, selling uh, bonds, and then defaulted on all of them after he put 40 million bucks in his own pocket from that money. I mean, it's we have grifters running not just the government, but the Republican Party as well. We've got to purge this. What are your best thoughts on how to purge the Republican Party of its grifters? This is the Tom Hartman Program. Or is grift so interlaced with Republicanism and has been since 1980 that the only cure is to throw out the Republican Party altogether? And how do we as a country deal 
with grifters. I mean, Trump coming out yesterday and saying, yeah, I'm taking chloroquine. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. It doesn't matter. What he wanted to do was stop the conversation. You'll notice that he brought this up basically in the context of a question about firing the inspectors general for the State Department. And here you've got this major grift. This is a major example of essentially criminal malfeasance by Mike Pompeo. He violates the will of Congress. Congress says you may not give $8 billion worth of weapons to Saudi Arabia. You can't do it. They're using our weapons to kill innocent civilians in Yemen who just happen to be the wrong religion. You can't do it. You can't give them the money. And so Pompeo gives them the money anyway. So the inspector general looks into it and says, there's something fishy here. And Pompeo goes to Trump and says, get rid of this guy. He's looking into me. And the guy's also looking into, into just, you know, kind of garden variety corruption. Pompeo and his wife, particularly his wife, having federal employees run all kinds of weird errands for them and providing fancy housing and accommodations for her and all this kind of stuff. You know, there's also that. But frankly, I think this is more about $8 billion going to the Saudis to keep them happy so they'll keep the flow of money to the Kushner and Trump families going. All that credit that they need from the Middle East. I mean, Kushner's gotten a billion dollars of credit from the Middle East. So in the middle of this grift, now we discover that, you know, the U.S. Supreme Court and the Wisconsin State Supreme Court, both controlled by conservatives, both of them voted to say, oh, in Wisconsin... This is over the objections of Tony Evers, the governor, who said we want to postpone the election so that we can mail everybody a ballot and we can do this by mail. We'll just postpone it by a month or two. And the Supreme Court said, oh, no, you don't. The statistics all indicate that the majority of Democrats are afraid to leave their homes because they don't want to get sick. And the majority of Republicans think it's no big deal. All they have to do is take some chloroquine. And so, you know, the Republicans are going to show up and vote. The Democrats are going to stay at home and we're going to win the election. And this is a really important election because the biggest thing at stake here is the chief justice of the Wisconsin Supreme Court. Or, the, or a right wing justice. I think she was the chief justice. But in any case, one, you know, the, the, a, a prominent right wing conservative justice of the Wisconsin Supreme Court. So they forced people to show up. Well, now the results are in. You know, there were preliminary results last week when I shared these with you. But now this is solid. The University of Wisconsin and Ball State University researchers uh, have issued a report. And in, in uh, you know, a, a, a Republican congressman recently said, quote, If you look at Wisconsin, I've yet to see a spike or anything in coronavirus cases that anybody has said was statistically significant related to the fact that they had voting. Okay, well, now the study came in. Quote, we find a statistically and economically significant association between in-person voting and the spread of COVID-19 two to three weeks after the Wisconsin election. Furthermore, we find the consolidation of polling locations. You'll recall the, the, uh, in Milwaukee, in the largely black part of Milwaukee, they went from over 100, I believe it was 140 or 180 polling places, to five. So people had to wait in line for hours. Okay. Furthermore, we find the consolidation of polling locations and relatively fewer absentee votes increased positive testing rates two to three weeks after the election. Wisconsin counties with higher levels of in-person voting per polling location led to increases in the weekly positive rate of COVID-19 tests. Furthermore, counties with higher absentee voting participation, in other words, those counties where more people got their ballots by mail, had lower rates of detecting COVID-19 two to three weeks after the election. So here you go. And right now, Utah, Oregon, Washington State, Hawaii, and Colorado all do all their voting by mail. No sign of fraud. Things are good. I just, Louise and I just voted by mail last weekend. And, you know, and perhaps in the most disgusting grift of all for this administration, uh, Gabe Ortiz writing over at Daily Co is roughly 180 children. See, we still have, we, we, we now have concentration camps in this country. People ask, well, how is it that the average German didn't ask about the concentration camps? There were 500 of them in Germany, all over the country. Why didn't the average person? Well, 
Think about this. We have concentration camps in the United States. Roughly 180 children continue to remain detained after their parents refuse to allow ICE officials to separate their families. This is from Roll Call. They're being presented with a cruel binary choice. Either agree to have their kids released without them or remain jailed together indefinitely. Considering that the administration deported hundreds of parents without their children under this barbaric zero tolerance policy. And these kids now have been flushed into, some of them are still in children's jails. Some of them are in foster homes. Some of them have simply vanished. Some of them have presumably been sold. This is insane. Federal legislators from the Congressional Hispanic Caucus have pledged an investigation. Trump's family separation policy, said America's Voice Director Philly Kobar, remains one of the worst things by done by this or any U.S. administration. Sophie's Choice. If you didn't see the movie, you should, because it's the world that Steve Miller is trying to create. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef to you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you. A few other things that I think are really worth noting in the news today. Elaine Chow, I mentioned this briefly yesterday. It got some good coverage last night in the news, but I think it it really, most people don't know what was actually going on. Elaine Chow is the Secretary of Transportation. As the Secretary of Transportation, she can funnel 
things like highway dollars, uh, new rail systems, mass transit. She can funnel that kind of stuff into whatever state she wants. And she has been using that discretionary power to funnel transportation money into the state of Kentucky so that there are signs all over Kentucky saying, you know, this road is being repaired by, you know, uh, as a result of effort, you know, money brought to the state by Mitch McConnell and who is the, you know, the senator from Kentucky. This is purely for the political help of her husband, which is illegal. So the inspector general, the cop on the beat, I've told you this story before about the cop shows, you know, when internal affairs was on its way. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well, that's what inspector generals are. And when the inspector general started looking into Elaine Chow funneling Department of Transportation money into Kentucky inappropriately to help her husband's political chances, she complained to Donald Trump and he fired the guy. He fired the inspector general. And uh, on a Friday night when, you know, in the hopes that nobody would notice. And now we're starting to notice. And I think that's a pretty big deal. Rob in Mount Iron, Minnesota. Hey, Rob, what's on your mind today? You declare bankruptcy or I declare bankruptcy. Um, We get our uh, credit scores ruined. How many times have Donald Trump declared bankruptcy? And the whole thing is, is where um, does anybody know his credit score? Everybody has one. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've never seen any evidence of uh, uh, a Donald Trump's credit score, but, but he, didn't, he has never declared bankruptcy. His companies have declared bankruptcy. Uh, he, there was a concern that he may have to declare a private personal bankruptcy back in the 1990s when his casinos were going down. And what kind of idiot loses money on a casino? But in any case, there was some concern that he may have to declare personal bankruptcy, and he was bailed out by Deutsche Bank on that. And it looks like Deutsche Bank was being backstopped by some uh, Russian or Ukrainian oligarchs. So, you know, money coming from the the former Soviet Union. So Perfect point. uh, The only reason that he's alive right now is because Basically, it's where the Russians are uh, financing Deutsche Bank so that uh, Donald Trump can be able to finance his businesses. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely right. And Seth Abramson has done some good work on this. He was on our program earlier this week. David K. Johnston has done some absolutely brilliant reporting on that and has written a book about it. So you should check that out. Dennis in Aptos, California. Hey, Dennis, what's up? Francisco Franco and the type of fascism they had there. What might be down the road for here if Trump, despite the fact that he could lose the election, would refuse to leave office. And if he had enough military support and the support of the AK-47 tote-carrying Michigan-type people, uh, yeah, he could possibly declare himself POTUS for life. And, you know, he's he's got that role model. Franco never paid for his crimes. Uh, unlike Ceausescu, let's just say, or Mussolini. Uh, there right. was another uh, dictator, Antonio Salazar of Portugal, ruled Portugal around the same time Franco ruled uh, Spain. Somebody a few years ago told me that Trump always gets away with it. I hope that is not going to be true. I hope Biden wins and he does step down. Trump does step down down. I hope that he does get indicted. And I would hope that he would end up in prison. And basically, that's all I've got to say. Okay, Dennis, the the one the one thing that I would point out in the context of the Spanish Civil War and the rise of Franco is uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this. um, I, I read it in high school. And I'm not sure I read the whole book, or maybe I read the Cliff Notes version of Hemingway's. Wasn't it The Sun Also Rises? His book about going yes. to his novel about going to Spain and fighting in the in the in the war on behalf of Franco. That you know, F- Franco and the fascists had basically convinced the rest of the world that they were fighting communists, and therefore, uh, you know, and when actually it was socialists, and therefore we needed to have a revolution against them, and that revolution turned into a full-blown fascist government. Do I have that right? Uh, you pretty much do. The Catholic Church wanted to uh, uh, get back as the uh, uh, state religion of, of Spain as well. Uh, mm-hmm. And sure, they, they didn't want to have any sort of democracy. Uh, right. They wanted uh, Spain to be ruled as it was uh, during the uh, Middle Ages, <laughs> uh, during the feudal times. And right. basically bring back the strong what, man, essentially. 
Bring back yeah, the strong exactly. man. And, the strong and, and that whole macho thing. I mean, Hemingway totally bought into that. And I can easily see Americans buying into that macho thing. And that's these guys who show up at these rallies with swastikas and AK, you know, and AR-40, AR-15s. You know, they think they're being macho. They think they're being tough. And they believe that this all makes them look tough and all that kind of stuff. It's a very seductive thing, particularly for men who are a little bit insecure, uh, you know, whether they're sexually oh, yeah. insecure, financially insecure, socially insecure, you know, whatever. It's very appealing to, you know, and, and Hemingway was a classic example of that, by the way, if you look at his life. I think that that was what appealed to him, this whole macho concept. And, and uh, you know, that's what Trump is trying to sell, this, this uh, you know, obese billionaire with a, with a giant comb over, uh, comb over who puts makeup on every day, uh, massive amounts of makeup is being viewed as and characterizing himself as the most macho president we've ever had. It's, it's, uh, it's bizarre. I don't know how to say it beyond that. Robert in Columbia, Tennessee. Hey, Robert, what's up? Why would we participate in an election in November and take the chance of Donald Trump being reelected? When I think you would agree that the United States and the rest of the world cannot afford to have another four years of Donald Trump. And because postponing the election is, would postpone the inauguration, and we can't have one more day of Donald Trump beyond January 20th. Yeah, true, but doesn't his term end regardless on January 20th, 2021? Well, that's a good question. You often point out what the Republicans are going to do, what they have done, and it's going to get worse, and suppressing the vote, cheating in every way possible. Would you take a baseball team you owned and go play another team, and you knew the other team had no intention of playing by the rules? You would not participate. I say don't participate. Don't put a candidate forward until the Republican Party, so-called Republican Party, puts a stop to this madness. This man has cost countless lives. You know, Tommy said they're not going to stop. Robert. They don't care. He's done it. They're not going to stop. They're not going to stop. They're going to keep the grift going. They've been they've been running this grift on America since 1980, Robert. So we got to blow it up, Tom. And, and, well, I think we need to blow it up at the ballot box. I mean, you know, a, a baseball game, my life doesn't depend on the outcome of a baseball game. Your life doesn't depend on the out, 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 outcome of a baseball game. And even the baseball players' lives don't depend on it, although their income may. But, you know, our lives depend on whether Donald Trump is in the White House beyond uh, the end of this year. I, at least I believe they do. And certainly our democracy depends on getting him out of office because he's a clear and present danger to democracy. Joanne in Seattle. Hey, Joanne, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. I just want to say I appreciate your program. And then I want to say, you know, for things for me, the way I see it is unless the legislators from city level up to the Fed if they don't start changing some laws or t- attempting to so we can get him out of there, then, you know, nothing's going to be done. But you and I's mm-hmm. generation, our generation, I see it as the me generation. And we've just been so much into us that we haven't paid attention and we feel like defeated. We can't do anything. But I believe that these people need treatment. But they to do that, you have to change some laws. I completely agree with you, Joanne. And there's a lot of laws that need to be changed. Larry in Asheville, North Carolina. Hey, Larry, what's up? Interesting little uh, discussion with the fellow about the Spanish Civil War. Down mm-hmm. here, Asheville is a blue island, but it's in a sort of a sea of red. I. As a rent refugee, uh, I live on the edge of town. I hear the automatic gunfire, angry guys in giant pickup trucks. And I run with a fairly uh, sensible, progressive crowd. And we've all been discussing how those that look at history uh, see this starting to resemble the lead-up to the Spanish Civil War, where the the pointy-headed intellectuals and people who aren't really religious and um, support uh, access to abortion and and the whole list of uh, issues are confronted by the the folks that want to turn back the clock and have a a thug uh, 
professional wrestler as a as a leader and um, reinstitute the um, the is Franco of the a professional wrestler. <laughs> well, visually. Uh, oh. Yeah, so not not, not, not actually. Uh, Larry, I, you know, the Spanish Civil War, I mean, outside of, of reading Hemingway's book or the Cliff Notes version, I don't recall, frankly, which one I had to read in order to do the book report. But um, outside of that, I don't know very much about the Spanish Civil War. Is there a, a good short uh, history of the Spanish Civil War that you'd recommend? I, I am not a real deep scholar on it. I just know the basics okay. and to see the similarities with the, uh, the basically the anti-intellectualism that's going on that you can you can yeah. just taste it out there. Oh, yeah. Nixon uh, really was big on that. He, he talked about the pointy headed uh, intellectuals and the ivory tower liberals and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Excellent points, Larry. Bobs. Yeah, well, that was, yeah, that was Spiro Agnew's phrase, nat- nattering nabobs of negativism. Yep. Exactly. Larry, thank so you. It's, uh, thank- and it, yeah, and it could, it could get a little serious coming up to an election uh, when he gets booted out that uh, his cadre is uh, not going to accept it. Oh, it's already serious. We've got people with guns threatening yeah. elected officials and, and, you know, walking around with nooses and swastikas. That's serious. Larry, thank you for the call. Ramon in San Francisco. Hey, Ramon, what's up? Thanks for Hi, listening to iHeartRadio there. Thank you. Yeah, Tom, uh, read the book For Whom the Bell Tolls, and it will give you an idea about the background of the Civil War. And it's oh, that was that? Was that Hemingway's way. book about the Spanish Civil War? For Ernest Whom the Bell Hemingway. Tolls? Yeah. Jordan, yeah, okay. That was the hero. Yeah, so it'll give you an idea. Uh, well, okay. the other gentleman, Elliot, explained the whole thing where I was going to talk about, about uh, the uh, hydrochloric queen, whatever they call it. But. Mm-hmm. Uh, since I have another idea. See, I was watching Trump, and he was saying that when Boris, jo- um, Boris Johnson in England was getting better, he said, I sent you a load, he said, of a syrupuric, so he could get better. He had never mentioned that word. And I think that's what he's using, interferon 2B, which is alpha interferon. He brings you up, it boosts you up with your immune yeah, system. Alta, and that's why alpha you interferon. Yeah, yeah, and that's why he doesn't wear a mask. And but this is expensive medicine. Uh, I was reading yeah. that it costs about seven hundred dollars a shot, and and wow. uh, and they make it here, but the Cubans make it very accessible, low price, and that's what they send right. to China and then to Italy and then to Spain. What do you think they got better? Because the interferon, and who gave it to them? The Cubans with the Chinese technology. But that's what it is. So he mentioned that, that he sent a load, he said, to Boris Johnson. So he must be taking that. Because he was sick before. On March, yeah. this week, he was swearing. He couldn't, he could barely talk. He was flaring. I don't know, because he's doing some emerald or whatever he does. Sniffs. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm increasingly convinced that he is crushing up and snorting Adderall. I mean, you know, the, oh, this he, guy who he, worked he with him definitely. on Celebrity Apprentice said, said he was doing that back you know, when he was working with NBC. So, you know, it's yeah. entirely possible. Um, it, it, it's, it's bizarre, but it's entirely possible. Ramon, thanks a lot for the call. Who knows? Who knows? Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Tom Hartman here with you. I've been seeing these promos on CNN for this uh, special documentary that's coming out about the woman behind Roe v. Wade. Her name is Norma McCorvey. And I remember back 10, 15 years ago, maybe longer, you know, sometime in the, in the last couple of decades, she was revealed to the world as the person who, you know, who was Jane Roe behind Roe v. Wade, who wanted to get an abortion back in, the, in 70, 72, ended up before the court and the decision in 73. And that she had come out and said publicly that she was really sad that she had an abortion and she wished she never had, or, you know, words to that effect. That was my recollection, and it was an accurate recollection, but what is surprising, apparently the, uh, the documentary is not out yet, but they're releasing copies to the press to watch, and there's a review of it over at rawstory.com. It says, basically, she said this on camera before she died in 2017, excuse me, uh, this is my deathbed confession. She said that she was a big fish, a trophy, that the religious right paid. She said, I think it was a mutual thing. I took their money, and they took me out in front of the cameras and told me what to say, and that's what I'd say. I'm a good actress, she added. Of course, I'm not acting now. She adds, and this is remarkable, uh, the film is out on May 22nd. She said, quote, I wonder how many abortions Donald Trump is responsible for. I'm sure he's lost count, but if he, if he can count that high. And then she goes on to say, if a young woman wants to have an abortion, fine. That's no skin off my ass. You know, that's why they call it choice. It's your choice. So we're discovering now that the religious right and the political conservatives who exploit, you know, abortion as a political issue actually paid her to go on TV and lie. That's breathtaking. Mike in Cartersville, Georgia. Hey, Mike, what's on your mind? I just wanted to mention a couple of things about the Spanish uh, experience that I had when we, when we were there. My daughter lived in Spain for a while, and this was back in the 90s, and we went to spend some time there. And I, I remember distinctly that if you bring up, you know, we were pretty innocent about this, and if you bring up the Spanish Civil War, if you did then, it was a surefire way to kill conversation in the room. They, yeah, wasn't, in, in isn't the Guernica, the, that famous painting uh, commemorating a slaughter during the Spanish Civil War, was that a slaughter done by the fascists, the, you know, the Franco? Yes, it was, it was done by, it was done by the, the, the German Luftwaffe. Uh, ah, okay, were, thank you. There was, a lot of, there was a lot of foreign support for the phalangists or the nationalist side, uh, Franco's mm -hmm. people. The Soviets sent a little bit of help to the nationalists, 
and there were about 35,000 or so foreigners who volunteered to help the Nationalists, including about fewer than 3,000 Americans, I think, were involved in it. Including uh, Ernie Hemingway. Including Ernie yeah, uh, To cover it. He was with his... Well, he was driving an ambulance, too, wasn't he? That was during World War I. He was, uh, oh, okay. he was an ambulance driver in, in Italy, in World War I in the Italian Oh, front. yeah, you're right. Yes, thank and, you. Right. And he was with his, his mistress at the time in, in the Spanish Civil War, uh, Martha Gelman, who was an American journalist. Mm-hmm. And she was later to be his, I think, third wife. But uh-huh. they, they all would hang out at a place called the, the Hotel Florida in, in Madrid. It was a nationalist hangout. There's a terrific book by uh, a woman named Amanda Vale that may be available through Amazon still called Hotel Florida about that experience. So, Mike, I, I'm so happy that, you know, to have somebody call in who knows what they're talking about in regard to this, because I clearly don't. What are the lessons that we Americans today can learn as we're watching the rise of a uh, semi or pseudo fascist, you know, right wing movement within the United States, much like what arose in Spain in the lead up to the Spanish Civil War. Are there analogies? Are there parallels? Are there lessons to learn? Or is it just a, a complete case of different time, different place, different circumstances? I think there are. And I think the main thing is to not be apathetic. Uh, when this was going on, Britain, France, most of the European democracies stood back and gave no support to the Republican forces in Spain. Now, now those forces were painted by Franco and his people as being far-left communists. And, you know, they were more like center-left. They were socially liberal. They were, they were anti-clerical. They were for, basically... Wasn't the union movement uh, a big part of that? Yes, it was. And um, that's one of the reasons that the Americans came in the form of the Abraham Lincoln Brigade. There was, a, like I said, a thousand of them. They, a lot of them had been union organizers and union people who had gone there to support the more to liberalized the society. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay. About 80 of those people were African-American, which is, struck me as odd. I saw huh. some photos of, of them there. And, uh, you know, a lot of African-American, well, not a lot. There were only 80 that, or so that showed up. But the fact that they were there at all to support uh, civil rights in Spain uh, was remarkable to me. And I thought it was a terrific, a terrific statement by those people. So maybe I'm completely misunderstanding this, Mike. I thought that the Americans who went to Spain fought and assisted the side of the fascists. No, 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 no. Oh, really? So we fought against Franco's people? Yes, it was it was people who had been Uh, who had been disenchanted by the Depression, who had seen fascism on the rise in Europe, and who were there to support labor and to support the people. Uh, Hemingway was very early supporter of the, the Republic. What's the name of that, of that author, who yeah, the Hotel Florida book? Amanda, I believe, Vail, V-A-I-L-L. I'll track it down. Fascinating, but it's a good read, and it, it came out about 2014. I was a little concerned that you were getting the American participation in that backwards. And yeah, I, I did. It's very obviously. important that this was, <laughs> Thank this you was so a much for very, me. very liberal part of uh, the American people. Great. I very much appreciate that. I hate it when I get things wrong, and I'm, I'm sure people listening do too, and that's why I want to correct them as quickly as possible. Thank you, Mike. I owe you. Alan in Seattle. Hey, Alan, what's up? Oh, well, the grift keeps going on average American worker isn't getting rich off of what the government, that $1,200 check or the $600 unemployment insurance, because all that money is, has to be prioritized and they're just sending it back to the, to the landlords and the banks and the credit card companies that nobody's, (laughs) nobody's getting any better, you know, off this government uh, largesse, you know, except for the wealthy. So even, even with Mnuchin and, Pal sending money billions to the corporations, they're sending almost nothing to people, <laughs> and it's all still. Well, on top of that, Alan, you've got up. this weird thing where Elizabeth Warren is calling for criminal penalties against companies that misuse these funds, and and Mitch McConnell is calling for an absolute end to prosecution of corporations for things that they might do that might harm their employees or their customers. It's like you know, light and dark, night and day. It's amazing. 
evil and live. <laughs> they're yeah. they're opposite opposite sides. So what's the solution? Well, instead of just you know handing out uh, government money, let's pay <laughs> let's pay these people a living wage. Let's give them universal mm-hmm. health care so we don't have to do this. Right, and so, let's cancel student debt. I'm, I'm exactly. with you. Alan, well said. Thank you very much. That was brilliant. Liz in California, uh, in Los Angeles. Hey, Liz, what's up? Boy, I always learn so much from your show. Um, not only from you, thank but you. Me from too. Audience. Yeah. Anyway, I, uh, what I was calling about was um, I, I think there should be some equity. If, if Bush, um, if, uh, I was thinking of Bushy Boys when he was president, he was a deserter. And then he starts a war, right? This deserter who should have been prosecuted and thrown into jail. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I think anybody that's in power like that, a president, if he advocates for war, then his children should be the first on the beach, not in some cushy office job, but his daughters should have been right on the beach. And I think the same with Trump. His son, who obviously has some sort of disability, should be in one of those little concentration camps. And Ivanka's children should all be in those just for two weeks, just for a tryout, to see that it's okay. Uh, Just to show us how humane it is, you mean? Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, You said it very well. Thank you very much. I appreciate the call. Mark in Valley, Washington. Hey, Mark, what's on your mind today? If Seth Abramson can find enough evidence to print a book about the scandals of this uh, administration, why can't Pelosi and Schumer? And second, I agree with some of your other callers that Trump isn't going anywhere. What's to stop him in, if he gets four more years to going with a, a sharp little programmer to the NSA and saying, I want a query run for everybody over the age of 16 to check all their phone calls, texts, and tweets that are negative to me and just pull up a list of all the people he considers undesirable to him and his and his goals. He's already doing that, Mark, only he's doing it specifically for people who are federal government employees. They're deciding who gets promoted and who doesn't get promoted based on a deep dive uh, into their into their social media stuff and any publicly available information. And the guy running that uh, used to work in the White House for Trump and left in some kind of a scandal. But uh, that's what's going on. And and Trump is actually proud of that. He's in fact, he's trying to say that the reason why he's firing these inspector generals is and particularly the one who the uh, Steve, Steve Linick, I think his name is the IG for the State Department is because he was appointed by Obama. Therefore, he's not loyal to me. I mean, this whole loyalty test thing should be a giant red flag for us. That's what fascists do. But everybody's just saying, oh, that's business as usual. If he's already got this set up, then it'd be real easy to just flip it over to just go through the citizenry. Yep. And yep. And this is essentially what they did, you know, with the with the uh, when they when they pushed through their one and a half trillion dollar when you include interest payments and everything, and there's the two trillion dollar tax break for billionaires and big corporations. One of the things that they added to it was this so-called SALT, uh, which was limiting the ability of people in blue states to deduct from their income taxes, their federal income taxes, the state income taxes that they paid in excess of $10,000 a year. And so people who were, you know, high wage earners in high tax states like New York State, I believe the income tax in New York State is over 10 percent. I think it's 14 percent. I could be wrong on that, but it's substantial. So there's a lot of people in New York State who are making good money and paying over $10,000 a year in property taxes. Same in California. Those people can no longer deduct those state taxes above 10,000 from their federal taxes. That was intentional. I mean, you know, Trump put that into the law specifically to kneecap the high high tax blue states. Um, you know, it's just it's like selective what you're talking about is selective investigation and prosecution based on political activity. Here you've got selective taxation and the benefits of tax breaks being based on political activity. I mean, and that was three years ago, two and a half years ago. The, the point that Mark is raising, I, I think, is absolutely viable, absolutely possible. And I think what's actually going on right now is that we're seeing essentially a dress rehearsal for all this. You know, that's not a good thing. It's not at all a good thing. Tom in Jerusalem. You have to force 
Biden's hand. And FDR was forced to desegregate the black union defense industries in 1940 by a threat of black workers to have a million man march on Washington. You have so many workers who have got problems, whether it's in hospitals, whether it's teachers in schools. I think they need to get radical to force his hand in a progressive direction. Yeah, your point is well taken. And that would happen, I think, if Joe yeah. Biden was president. But as a candidate, I mean, do you want to be protesting Joe Biden when he's a candidate? No, no, no. I'm, I think that if people went into the streets, and I really think you need to take it to the streets. I don't think it's just the voters. The, they have the tried this. You know, anymore. there's been several meatpacking plants where they've had strikes and, and people are, they did actions and those people got fired. And it didn't well, get coverage. They got to go back. I mean, one of them got coverage the on, got covered on Rachel Matter Show, and that was it. I don't know. Okay, Tom. Okay. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't either. It's a tough one. But, Tom, thank you very much for the call. It's nice to hear from you. And uh, we got to wrap it up here. We'll be back tomorrow. And in the meantime, have a great afternoon. Check out Phil Proctor's newsletter. It's called Planet Proctor. And uh, he's, you know, the old Fireside Theater guy. And, uh, you know, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, same time, same place. And in the meantime, tell your friends about progressive media. Tag your it. Have a great afternoon. Be good to yourself and the people around you. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.